Hello and welcome to Fatima Today. This show is produced by the World Apostle of Fatima USA, Our Lady's Blue Army, and brings topics to you, our viewers, related to the events in the world today. We live in tumultuous times when logic seems to have disappeared and uncertainty hangs over us. Our hope on these programs is to address the issues of the day and find solutions through adherence to the laws of God, especially through the message of Fatima. We ask that you subscribe to this podcast. Welcome to Fatima Today. My name is Barb Ernster. I'm your host for the show, and I'm joined with Katie Moran. She's a, con- a regular contributor to the World Apostle of Fatima media and blogs, and she's also the president of the Byzantine Division in Ohio. Welcome, Katie. Oh, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, We're going to be doing a number of podcasts delving into the Fatima message, into the lives of the three seers, and delving a little deeper into the devotion to the Immaculate Heart. I want to start with the Hail Mary. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. I This is the first full week of Lent, Barb, and we were sort of going to start it with Lucia's, uh, what Our Lady said, pray, pray very much, is what the angel said to the children. And we do know Lucia was very much a person of prayer, you know, mm-hmm. from when she was very young, especially after the angel appeared to them in 1916. But there is an excellent quote that Barb and I want to introduce to you before we get talking in the various forms and ways of praying. And it's a quote. It's part of a letter that Sister Lucia wrote to her nephew, a Salesian priest. And I think he was writing her and asking her, you know, about prayer. And what were her insights? <clears throat> Excuse me. So this is this is this little quote from that letter she wrote him. It starts out, It is so sad that so many are allowing themselves to be dominated by the diabolical wave that is sweeping the world, and they are so blind that they cannot see their error. Their principal mistake is that they have abandoned prayer. What I recommend to you above all else is that you get close to the tabernacle and pray. In fervent prayer, you receive the light, strength, and grace that you need to sustain you. In prayer, you will find more science, more light, more strength, more grace, and virtue than you could ever achieve by reading many books or by great studies. Never consider the time wasted that you spend in prayer. You will discover that in prayer, God communicates to you the light, strength, and grace you need to do all he expects of you. We all need to intensify our life of intimate union with God. This we can only attain through prayer. Let time be lacking for everything else, but never for prayer. The principal cause of evil in the world and the falling away of so many consecrated souls is the lack of union with God in prayer. If we're not careful and attentive to obtaining the strength from God, we will fail because times are bad. Now, this again was something she wrote to her nephew, a Salatian priest on prayer. And I think it was written to him in the late 60s and early 70s. So she was seeing this at that time. And yet we go 50 years later. Right. And look how bad the world is. Yeah. And this is very apropos. It's like she wrote it for now. Yeah. We're needing to be strengthened by prayer more than ever because she also reminds us how weak we are and that we slip back and fall. And that we can only acquire the strength we need, the strength that comes to us from grace 
is through prayer with God. And so during this Lent, we're really um, impressing upon people the importance of seeking that time with God in prayer and union with him. This is a God who loves us and he wants a relationship with us and he's present in our lives every day in so many ways. We often don't recognize it. So even, Katie, at the end of our day, to do an examination and seek, look at the ways in which God might have been there present in your day. And you'll find if you really meditate on that and you you see how something might have gone better than you thought, there might have been some unexpected reconciliation with someone or an unexpected moment where you were ready to blow, but you had great patience. Um, just some, you know, things just went well. Those are ways in which God is present with you throughout your day. And nothing is so insignificant to him. Everything is important to him. Everything that's important to us is just as important to him. And so he wants us to seek that union with him so that we can recognize his presence in our lives. So we're going to talk about the different ways that we can offer prayer. Katie, why don't you start with? Yeah. Well, first I want to stress that the holy sacrifice of the mass is the greatest prayer. Mm -hmm. So if it's something you can do more than on Sundays, especially during Lent, this is wonderful. And Eucharistic adoration. So we're going to take those two and put them up there because we're not, we're, we're talking about what you can do aside from that. First one I'm sure everybody's familiar with is vocal prayer. And vocal prayer is the prayers taught to us by our mother when we were little kids. You know, our father, hail Mary, glory be, uh, whatever. Vocal prayer is stuff you pray, just it's words addressed to God. And it renews our devotion, our confidence, our humility, and our love. And vocal prayer is something you can fall on. I mean, like maybe something has happened. Maybe you end up in the emergency room with a child or with a loved one or with a dear friend or you're in a car accident. Vocal prayer is something that if you've done it on a regular basis, you will do it automatically. For example, people who work in an emergency room, nurses and doctors, they do the same thing over and over and over again so that when the crisis comes, they're able to fall right into what they were trained to do. Yes. Many, many years ago, I was in a really horrific accident and I wasn't hurt. But the woman that down the street from me, because it happened on my street, she lived next door to me. She came flying down to see if I was okay because I had my kids in the car with me and they were very young. What impressed her the most was, so I came down there to see how you were doing. And she's, all I could see you doing was the rosary and praying. I could hear you saying, Hail Mary, Holy Mary. And I don't remember doing that. Mm -hmm. That only comes from when you do vocal prayer some form every day. So that when you are in a crisis, you will automatically start praying. And that, that happens to me often. My kids will call with something or they're complaining about their day or something's not going right. And I'll just automatically start saying the memorari for them. My son is a Marine and he has told me so often when he was in boot camp and he was really struggling, he would say the memorari and he said it would change things and things would come out okay. So he remembered that prayer and that was something that he took with him to boot camp in the Marines. Yeah, the memoraries, that's one of my favorite prayers. Mm -hmm. I, I think I've said this in the past on, on different shows, but uh, for people out there, just FYI, uh, some saint asked Our Lady after the Hail Mary what was her most favorite prayer, and she said it was the Memorare. Mm. So I got in the habit of praying that because I thought, well, if that's her second favorite prayer, let's offer that to her a lot. Well, so another habit that I formed, Katie, was I remembered the, the, um, the blessed be God, blessed be his holy name, the divine. Yeah, the divine praises. The divine praises. I was thinking divine office. <laughs> 
the divine praises, um, blessed be God, blessed be his holy name. Those words, they flow off my tongue so often. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and it comes to my mind. And before I even get out of bed, I'm, I'm saying the divine praises. I like to say them sometimes when I'm on my way up to communion too, because it's hard to know how to worship God. So these vocal prayers are good because they're when you pray them with the heart and you're turning your heart and your mind and your soul over to the Lord, the vocal prayers are, are great ways to do that when, you know, we're not sometimes, some people are really good at coming up with spontaneous prayers to God. Some of us are, maybe don't have that. So the vocal prayers are great to fall back on and always remember to say them with your heart and with true firm trust and belief that God hears them. Yeah. The second one is prayer of our, you know, our work, our daily duty, our state in life, everything. If we make that morning offering, then our day becomes praying unceasingly. That bothered me years ago. I'll be honest with you. When I read St. Paul said, pray unceasingly. And I can remember thinking, how do you pray unceasingly? I got to wash the dishes, do the laundry, teach the kids because I homeschooled my children, just tons of things. And it wasn't until it came to me one time in quiet prayer that when you're working, you're praying because you make that morning offering. So everything you do is a form of prayer because think about it. Our Lord gave us the best example. 30 years of his 33 years were spent at in Nazareth, quiet, unknown, working, helping St. Joseph, his foster father. His whole life was a way of prayer. He just got up and did every day what he was supposed to do. So he gave us that example that we work, we pray when we work. And certainly St. Joseph and Mary are examples of that as well. I mean, their lives are pretty obscure to us, but it certainly would have been filled with prayer and the the prayer of work. I mean, St. Joseph is the patron saint of workers. And, you know, our work, it can cause us a lot of aches and pains. It can cause us frustration and impatience. And, you know, we're all waiting for Friday. We're tired. These are things you can offer up and continue to try to do your work well. Offering to God, um, doing your work well, because you owe that to your boss. You owe that to your family, all these ways that we can honor God through our work. And, you know, to, to look at our work every day as something that, you know, God gave us work because us human beings have a great mind that needs to function. We have muscles, we have bodies that need to move. And so work is a form of, um, it's, it certainly keeps us from being bored every day. That's for sure. <laughs> so yeah, it's you know, a form of prayer. St. Teresa, the little flower. She gives us a good example of that. You know, when she died, it's real interesting. I remember reading this in one of my books. The nuns, all they have a book that they write in about the sister, what she did. Mm-hmm. And when it came time to write about her, their first a couple of them said, what are we going to write about Sister Teresa, Sister Therese? She didn't do anything. She <laughs> wasn't alive. And all I could think of was, oh, my God, did they realize in a few years she would be the world's greatest saint? It's because she talks about in her little, in her book, her, you know, that her, every little thing she did, even if it was dusting a, a cobweb with, could have spiders in it. She had an intense fear of spiders. So even dusting, walking with a nun, an elderly nun to the refractory, you know, she would complain, you walk too fast, you walk too slow, you're not doing. So all of these little things became prayer for her. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's a book you could be reading during Lent, you know, her book, you know, 
and learn how to make everyday little things perfect in the eyes of God. Mm-hmm. And when you read it, when you read what she did, it just, it is, it's absolutely beautiful. There was one instance where there was a nun, when she pray in the chapel, she would clank her beads mm-hmm. and all she wanted to do was look at her and scream. Would you please quit doing that? Yeah. She says one time she actually had sweat running down her brow. That's how hard it was for her not to say anything. And she says it was after that, that those clanking beads became like music to her. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm thinking you, you think you cannot do these kinds of things. You need to read about saints who did do it. Mm-hmm. And I think the, you know, when we work, we pray and we just, I, we need to, if we're all married people out there with children, we need to impress this upon them, you know, that going well, to school. Sister Lucia, you know, here she was the one who was the spokesperson for the blessed mother. Yeah to spread the devotion to the Immaculate Heart across the world. And when she entered the convent, first of all, the Sisters of St. Dorothy, she was assigned very menial jobs, just like all the other sisters. She wanted to be treated like all the other sisters. She didn't want to be treated as the seer of Fatima, as a because she knew that anytime people were coming to see her or were reaching out to her in their letters, 60,000 letters, I believe, to her, you know, she knew they weren't coming to her. They were coming to seek the wisdom of the Blessed Mother. But she always performed her duties well. She Even if it was mopping the floor or she had to go bring the garbage out or she was in charge of the sacristy, everything she had to do was done with humility but done well because she was doing it for God. And so that's another way to do your work well. Don't take it lightly. And when you offer it to God, you want to offer him the best. We don't want to be like, uh, is it Abel who killed Cain? He was jealous, or Cain who killed Abel. He was jealous of his offering to the Lord because it was better, or it was of his first fruits. And so we want to offer the first fruits of our day. We want to offer the first fruits of our work. We want to give God our best. So that's a way that we can look at how work can be a prayer to God. And the next form of prayer, I mean, some of you may have experienced this already, and you might not know you're doing it. It's mental prayer. Mental prayer is work we do ourselves. This is where we take our vocal prayer. And of course, the rosary is a form of vocal and mental prayer combined. And it's meditation. It's where you place yourself in the presence of God. And you work towards praying through whatever you're meditating on at that time, whether it's a passage from scripture, the light from Christ. Some, some people recommend you actually visualize the event, like you're standing there at the, at the birth of Jesus or his presentation in the temple or his agony in the garden. And you visualize yourself there and you console him and you uh, let this, let it come into you so that after the meditation, you're able to make resolutions from it because now you are you are making the effort to reach out to God in a form of prayer in which he can give you graces and stuff you need. And anybody who's a spiritual director, they recommend 15 minutes a day. Now, some people just can't do that. Uh, St. Teresa of, of Avila, mental prayer, she stresses it. It's, it's, it's the lifeline of your soul. But she's for 20 years she couldn't do any mental prayer unless she had a book in front of her, like scripture mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. So don't feel bad if you have to get out the books that are out there on mental prayer where they lay it out for you and you read it. But the important thing with mental prayer to remember is when you're doing something, if you feel the grace coming in and something's coming to you that you never thought of before, 
spiritually. You let go where you were going to go originally and let God work through you at that moment. It may last 10, 15 minutes, or it may last a half an hour. I'm sure you've experienced that, Barb, where you, you have, you know, this is what I'm going to do. And then the next thing you know, something different has come to you and you're just yeah. sitting there thinking about it. That's the Holy Spirit. And yeah. invite, invite the Holy Spirit into when you start a period of mental prayer, when you're going to sit with our Lord in silence. And, you know, on first Saturdays, too, we're supposed yeah. to do 15 minutes of additional prayer, meditating on the mysteries of the rosary. It has been so helpful to me to invite the Blessed Mother to sit next to me. I'm often in the church and I'm sitting in the pew and I'll ask her to sit right next to me and guide my meditation. And I have found that I have often, I, I never um, had a great affinity for the fifth of the fifth joyful mystery, the finding of the child Jesus in the temple. I always was confused by that. <laughs> what was he doing running off and causing them yeah. to be looking for him for three days. And so I asked, I invited the Holy Spirit and I asked the Blessed Mother to guide my meditation. And I ended up meditating that day just on that mystery. And I started to see things in a different way. And I started to realize all the things that would have been going on and how Jesus was um, setting the stage for what his mission was going to be. He was in a, he was considered an adult because he would have been 12 years old. He had you know gone through his bar mitzvah, I believe they, I don't know if that's what they called it back in his day, the bar mitzvah. It's the transition of a young man from, um, you know, to into adulthood. And so he, you know, there's just many things that were going on in that. But anyway, that was not, I, I'm not, I don't have such an aversion to that mystery of the rosary anymore after doing that meditation. And we can also, you know, turn to St. Francisco because yeah. he would go off. What are you doing? I'm thinking of God. That's mental prayer. Yeah. Thinking of God, of the virtues, the graces, the infinite of it. I mean, mental prayer is work on our part. And that sort of slides us into what happens when you persevere in your mental prayer. Then you move into a St. Teresa of Avila calls contemplation. Mm -hmm. Mental prayer is where we do the work. Contemplation is where God takes over and he does the work. Yeah. And it's, you cannot achieve contemplation. That is a gift from God. It's a great grace. Mental prayer we can work to do on our own. And we can struggle with it. We have the great St. Teresa of Avila, doctor of the church. But contemplation is like just whenever God chooses to do it. And it can be something small. Maybe at, after a communion, you're sitting there making your, thanking Jesus for your communion. And all of a sudden you're overwhelmed by the presence of God. That's contemplation. That's God coming to you and talking to you in, in some way, shape, or form. And it's good to be quiet. It's good to sit there and just absorb it. You don't need to say anything or think anything. Just let God work through you. And everybody has had that at some point. But I do know in the, like uh, St. Francis de Sales' Introduction of the Devout Life, John of the Cross, Teresa of Avila, there's other saints who've written on that type of contemplation it is something that sometimes you go back and forth between the two mental and mental prayer meditation and contemplation but sometimes you move into the contemplative part of it and you start moving through those steps of prayer which ends up with the unitive prayer uh there's several steps on that one but i don't want to get people out there confused on talking of all of this we want them just getting to doing vocal prayer and meditation and if you've never done meditation or mental prayer maybe start doing it during lent uh, take 15 minutes or 10 minutes a day and sit with the Bible. Open the scripture up. 
and read it until something hits you, the Holy Spirit, and then you absorb it. Don't read it for information. Just read it until the Holy Spirit talks to you and you'll find yourself putting it down and not reading anymore. But like you got, Barb, reflection, more more insight into the mystery, mm-hmm. more insight into what you're reading about in Scripture. Because Scripture is just not something you read once and you know it. it is, there is many, many things coming up. For example, I read this. It was in one of my morning meditations using Fulton Sheen. I like to use Von Venerable Fulton Sheen for meditation. I really do. He's good. Um, he was saying one of his problems, like you had a problem with the fifth joyful mystery bar. He has, he had a problem with, uh, Christ assumed our humanity and he was like us in all things except sin. And of course, sickness is a result of sin. So our Lord and our lady would obviously not have ever been sick because Mm -hmm. that's a consequence of sin. And he wondered about it. And he said he would read where when Christ healed the deaf man, he groaned when he in the ears and the eyes, you know, and, mm-hmm. and he healed them. And he says it wasn't until he got talking with a doctor, an old a doctor who was up in years, and he said he was a, a surgeon. And he said when he'd do surgery and then he'd finish, he said it took so much out of him because he said he took on the pain of his patients mm-hmm. when he was when he was healing them and working on them because he was a very good Catholic doctor. And he said, I had to quit because it was so draining. I had to move into a different field in my profession. And Bishop Sheen writes, that's when I realized that's what our Lord was doing. Yeah. When he healed the people, he was taking upon them his their sicknesses, not because he was a sinner, but because that's how he experienced it, you know, groaning. And then he went back and reread that scripture. And he put the dirt in the eyes and the ears and he groaned, mm-hmm. Epitha, you know, come forth, free this man's tongue. So I always thought that, that was a very enlightening meditation for me that day mm-hmm. how our lord experienced our own frailties and our own sicknesses yeah and it reminds me of many priests i've been to you know for healing masses and those that really truly have yeah. the gift of healing they will be praying intently over you and um one priest i know he, he you can hear him speaking in a different language and he's it's so intense that he does look exhausted by the time the healing mass is over they often are exhausted and they don't he doesn't do them very often because he is a very popular healing priest and he, he only does them every couple of months because it can be draining. But I know he might, maybe he does more healing services privately to people, but when he does the public ones, they can be draining. So he's taking on all that he's praying over the person for to release them. So and this yeah. is, this is the enlightenment you'll get when you put forth the effort of meditation every day. Yes. You know, scripture is a good one to, to, to take the meditation from. It's a big Bible and there's a lot in there you don't know or understand how it works or why was it written this way, you know. And if you persevere in it, God reveals to you the hidden mysteries of it, you know, what it means and stuff. Um, Venerable Mary Agrita wrote The City of God, which is Our Lady's directions to her about her life and her son's. The City of God, it's a four-volume set. I know uh, they sell the condensed version and also four-volume set at shopfatima.com. I, I have read that off and on over the years because there's one of the books deals strictly with the Passion of Our Lord, and you can read that all of Lent and get Our Lady's perspective. And it's very interesting to see because there's more insight into the mysteries of why happened, what happened, and why it happened. You know, we sort of walk around in our own little world thinking we know everything, and then we realize we don't. 
St. Thomas Aquinas, a good example, close to his death, he was given a moment's insight into God. And he was so overwhelmed with it that he was, they had to stop him. He wanted to destroy everything he wrote because he felt it was nothing. Oh, my goodness. And truly, St. Thomas Aquinas, he's up there with Augustine, you know, in terms of uh, dogmatic theology and anything he's written. So we need to realize there is so much we need to learn, and we can do it through vocal prayer, going into mental prayer, and then contemplation when God graces us with it. I want to talk. Of course, the rosary is those two combined. Yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about the rosary, because Our Lady did ask for this at every apparition at Fatima. Um, she asked for it in many of her apparitions. Um, this is a prayer that she's giving to us because it does help us with meditation. We're meditating on the mysteries of Christ's life and we're praying. And, the, you know, I like when somebody, when you're praying the rosary in a group, I like when somebody just leads the rosary at the right pace. Because if they're going too slow, it interrupts your flow. There's a real rhythm to the rosary. And that's yeah. we're praying it. You're not even, your, your, your fingers are touching the beads and you're going along. So you don't have to sit and count, but you're also the Hail Mary is just flowing off of you because you know it so well, but then you are, that gives you the opportunity then to focus on the mystery of the rosary and whatever you're focusing on with this life of Christ or Jesus or Joseph, Mary. And that's where she wants to lead us into meditation. So the prayer of the rosary helps us to do that. It's not just um, praying many prayers. Like when Jesus points out the uh, Pharisees or whoever that would wanted to be heard praying and praying and praying all these prayers. No, we're, we're uniting our heart and soul with the life of Christ and we're meditating. And this is why the rosary is something she wants us to do because she's trying to draw us deeper into this union with God through meditation. One of Sister Lucia's quotes on the rosary is, in the rosary, we will find all the riches of God's truths, or rather, the revelation of God to men. Mm-hmm. That's that's she, that's she what she wrote. And that did not come just flippantly. This came from probably years of praying the rosary. Yeah. So the rosary, I mean, takes you from... From uh, mental, from meditation into contemplation, because if you're praying it and thinking of those mysteries, you like you said, you move and there's a beautiful rhythm when you pray it as a group prayer. It's very pretty, you know. It's uh, it's very comforting, mm-hmm. you know, to pray the rosary because you know the, anybody who doesn't understand it say, how can you get anything out of that repetitious prayer? All you're doing is praying the same thing over and over and over again, and these are the people that don't understand. Do they tell, again, Fulton Sheen used to say, do you tell your mother you love her once and never tell her again the rest of your life? Yeah. Tell your husband you love him once and never tell him again the rest. No, sometimes you sit there and you're telling each other often throughout the day, I love you, I love you. Mm -hmm. Well, I I like to say about the rosary too, sometimes when I I am having Mm -hmm. trouble meditating, I might be distracted, I focus on the words of the Hail Mary. Because they're beautiful words, and that helps draw my attention back to meditation. You know, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. As you're saying those words, you can be thinking about the angel saying that to her. Holy Mary, Mother of God. You know, St. Elizabeth, when when the Blessed Mother came to visit her and Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. I mean, so the, when you, even if you focus on the words of the Hail Mary, it can draw you into those scenes where those 
prayers were being given to us, even in scripture. And so that helps me to, to focus my mind back on the prayer, even if my meditation, my mind is not focusing on meditation. It's okay to focus on the actual words of the prayer. Yeah, years ago, I was, some some of the Bibles are very, very uh, loose with their translations. And, you know, if you use the Dewey Rames or the Jerusalem Bible, it's Hail Mary, full of grace. But you would see things like Hail, highly favored one, mm -hmm. or Hail, blessed one. And so I did a little research, and I found out that the Latin is Ave Maria, Grazia Plenia. Mm -hmm. Now, St. Jerome is the one who did that translation, Grazia Plenia. And he did it from the Greek text, because Luke is the one who wrote it, and he was a he was a physician and Greek. The Greek language is very specific. There's words for everything. Even if, you know, there's different words for love, depending on the kind of love you have, you just don't say love. And when he read what, what Luke wrote in Greek, I think he, they, what I read was he was taken back. How could he put this into words? Because the Greek, what he wrote in Greek was full of grace, overwhelmed with grace grace abundant, grace overflowing, that all he could come up with the Latin words, gratia plenia. And that means grace to the fullest, mm -hmm. grace beyond everything, be, you know. And sometimes when we pray the rosary, we don't realize what those words actually mean, mm -hmm. uh, how important they are. And the angel that was chosen, you know, the angels were all in awe. Who's going to be chosen to deliver this message? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He had seven, he had the nine choirs. He could have chosen someone from the seraphim, but he chose someone from the archangel ranks. And of course, we know it was Gabriel who was given that honor to, to come down and ask her and to say that to her. Yeah. And when we die and go to heaven, I'm going to ask him, hail, when you told hail full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Was that your own first words? I mean, was that something you said to her because you were so in awe of, of this creature of God who was so pure and was above you because she would be your queen. Mm -hmm. You know, those are some of the things you can think about when you meditate. You know, uh, one of the um, things about the say, Lucifer's disobedience in heaven was he was given a, a scenario. He would have to worship God as God and man because God would assume our humanity and he would be the God man and his mother would be perfect in all ways and she would be your queen and he would not serve because he would not serve a nature that was so far beneath him mm -hmm. even though it was united with god or have a woman above him so that's that's interesting to think about so you know the angels were fully aware of the the holiness of our lady and that's that's those are some of the things you get out when you sit and you think like francisco said i just think yeah he's yeah. thinking about god yeah, he's thinking about God. So when you think about God, you think about Our Lady, maybe sometimes his thoughts will come to you. You know, why did the angel choose those words? Yeah. And as we advance in the prayer life, again, reaching that prayer of contemplation, yeah. we said that's something God gives to us. That's when he's taking over. Lucia writes, God can certainly grant this grace to a person without any effort on the person's part. But yeah. ordinarily, the Lord waits for the soul to reach this point by being faithful to the paths of vocal and mental prayer, because it, because it is by this way that the soul is purified and lets go of the things of earth in order to entrust itself to God alone. So contemplation will come, a gift from God, but it's only going to come if we can be faithful to the vocal and mental prayer that is 
given to us every day, given these opportunities come to us every day. I used to, used to tell my children and uh, when I would teach them, I would say, God gives you things, but sometimes he holds them back. And they looked at me and said, well, why would he do that? I said, because God owns a big candy store. Okay. And he wants to know, do you love me or do you love my candy store? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and sometimes I think with gift of contemplation doesn't come because God knows where our soul is. He just wants us to prove to him that we love him and we love him with all our heart and soul. And, and as St. Teresa the Little Flower used to say, I'm a ball that God, Jesus plays with. And if he chooses not to play with me, I'm content to sit in the corner. Yeah. And we have to be that way. We have to be there when God wants us in all things. And we got to love him for who he is, not for what he can give us. And it's really easy for us to fall into that when God starts blessing you with the graces. You know, you become unaware that there's a distinction between the two. Mm -hmm. So we're, that, we're coming to the end of our time here, but I just want to remind everybody to, you know, look to Lent for the time of renewal and a time to look for the graces and, and the hope in the Lord and the trust. And so I hope your Lenten journey is going well and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And we'll see you again next week. Thank you, Katie. Oh, thank you for having me here. Looking forward to next week. <laughs>